Hello, Spartan fans. Uh, welcome back to the 2021 edition of the Press Quarters podcast. This is Andrew Bell, joined with my colleague, Ronnie Plazinski, as always, here to talk about the 2021 Michigan State Spartan football team. Ronnie, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be back. It's uh, It feels surreal, actually, after playing a like six, what is it, six-game season last year. It's nice to finally get to talk about a regular season. Seven, seven, but the game against Rutgers didn't really happen. So, well, I don't remember it. I don't remember it either. So, (laughs) Um, yeah. So, so, anyways, it's been a a a kind of a wild ride. You know, some people call it year zero for Mel Tucker, or year one, or an abridged year one. Uh, Obviously, on the field, uh, the Spartans uh, won two games against top fifteen teams against number thirteen Michigan on the road. Uh, in the big house in kind of a large win. Uh, and then also against number, I think, eight Northwestern at home. Uh, otherwise, they, they kind of got smoked in their games. Uh, clearly, the pandemic affecting Tucker and his ability to prep, prepare uh, the team as well as actually evaluate the team, which I think was the what we had talked about during the... Um, um, you know, during our preseason podcast. Okay, you know, the... They had started fall practice and then they canceled, so they went into their off-season conditioning, and then they had to pivot again, and they had just a couple, two, three weeks to get ready for the actual start of the season. Um, No spring ball, no chance to evaluate the roster. All that is to say, um, kind of throw last year's record out the window. Uh, It's great to have that trophy win against Michigan. Obviously, that's not going out of the record book, but in terms of performance and and schemes, um, I think this is the first year where you can really judge the on-field performance uh would you agree yeah i mean it is it is year one and and that's how the fans need to look at it i really did appreciate tucker coming out and saying to the media at any radio show he's been and even at big 10 media days that you know this is year two for me so i'm not taking last year as a buy i'm looking this is year two he has to say that i like that he said that he's not making excuses for this year and we kind of see that with how he's overhauled kind of the whole program and the roster. And I, I kind of wanted to talk for a second on the macro and micro changes that he's made. And I, and I want to see if you kind of agree with me that, you know, things have gone, in my opinion, as good as they have, as they could have since he's been here. You know, looking at a macro level, he's overhauled the roster. He got his guys in this offseason. You know, it's not completely done and it won't be for probably two more years. But at least he, he finally got to choose the people who he was going to go into battle with, you know, he last year he had to go with D'Antonio's guide. You know, he didn't know anything about Thorne or Rocky Lombardi. He just kind of had that made the decision. Now he knows what Thorne has done. He's seen him in game. He went and got Russo, which is his transfer. So on a macro level, he kind of changed things. He changed nutrition. Um, I, I think that's been a big thing. And I, I think like some of the big changes, whether it be how he schedules his spring ball, I think he's had like very, um, very with a purpose, everything he does, you know, he had you know schedules when they were going to practice, when they were going to have it off. And I feel like at the end of the Antonio era, it wasn't as crisp. And I think in that macro level, the program is as healthy as it could be from where he came in. I don't know if you agree with that. What, what are your feelings yeah. on Tucker's done on the big scale for the program? So, so in terms of, I, I guess you call it inf- program infrastructure, I, I, there's no real way to say someone's won or lost an off season, but I would agree. I, I couldn't have asked for much better over uh, from the end of last season to now than what Tucker's done. Um, he poached uh, Wisconsin's kind of recruiting glue guy, um, brought him in. Um, he has, I know 
really drummed up a lot of money for the program. Um, he has really overhauled the entire strength and conditioning and really the nutrition program and really forced that on. And I think obviously on the, the roster level, I mean, he basically rewrote the 2018 and 2019 recruiting classes through the, through the transfer portal. Um, you know, I think they lost 20 kids to, to, um, to the portal. They brought in 13 or 14, um, including, I, I believe seven, four stars, in the train, you know, based on recruiting rankings, whatever they're worth, but um, way more, ta- way more quote unquote star talent than you would see on the roster under the end of D'Antonio's era, um, which, you know, we'll see if that matters or not. Um, but he is, when you hear him talk and you hear people that are watching the practices, there is a, a, I, I said he's, he's coaching with a mandate. There is a structure that he wants to put in place. And he has not cut any corners to do so. He's accelerated it by by bringing in the transfers. And I think I think we can all agree Michigan State did the best job in the transfer portal of, of any team in the country. I mean, there were, I mean, in terms of just upgrading the roster top to bottom, bringing in depth players, bringing guys that fit his system. Um, I think he brought in, what, was it 34 new players or 32 new players or something like that overall yeah. between the Maybe yeah, it's well, including, including the recruiting class and the transfers. It was, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a half new roster. Uh, yeah, maybe like forty percent, which is you know a lot more than most you know most guys can do in one year because of the portal. Um, and so he he went after it like free agency. Okay, we need, uh, you know what, we need better offensive linemen. So they pick up a, a left tackle in Jarrett Horse that is coveted by Oklahoma. You know, uh, all. What was he Sunbelt? Yeah, Arkansas State. All Sunbelt linemen. Uh, he's going to start at left tackle. Okay, and you know he goes. You know what? Lombardi's gone. We need we need some someone to push Thorn, and you know we'll go out. We'll get Anthony Russo. Okay, three year starter at Temple. Go through, and you're you're looking at all the people coming in, and Ronnie, they're all coming in from other Power Five schools, right? Right. With the exception of Horst, but you know they're coming, and they're not coming from Kansas. You know they're coming from. Alabama and Florida and Tennessee and Michigan for whatever that's worth uh, anymore. Uh, but Duke and Wake Forest, um, Arizona. Yeah, these, are, these are guys like you, you expect to play. Whereas other transfers, I guess in years past, and I know the new transfer rule, it, it, like you're saying, they come from places where they played. A lot of them played, made impacts. It's not like they're coming here where we've had transfers in the past who came in, you know, they never really got on the field. Damn didn't make Arnett. a name. Right. And, and there's a reason a lot of times people leave places. It's because they're not talented enough to get right. on the field. You know, some of these guys like Malik Carr, um, Tank Brown, those guys are, you know, four-star prospects first year in a program. I mean, I, from what everything we've heard, Tank Brown, um, you know, might – be a third down designated pass rusher. It seems like he's going to be in the playing playing group with Malik Carr. You know, he had a stress fracture that Purdue apparently handled incorrectly. And now he got healed and he looks like a monster at for a tight end, which is a solution of need. So yeah. you're talking about guys that we needed and guys that can contribute right away. This is different than when D'Antonio, remember D'Antonio brought in some uh, defensive end transferred from a one double A school. He never played, and that was 2016. It was a not, disaster. Not Gabe Power. It was it was it was something like that. But yeah, it, it was. Um, oh my gosh, I can think of his name. Yeah, he he had like 25 sacks at like a at like a D two school, and he was just terrible. Um, 
And, uh, you know, or, or Kevin Williams, a defensive tackle from Nebraska in the 2016 season, who was like, uh, you know, 6'2", 275, and just got smoked, just got blown out of the, uh, you know, the right. gap regularly, just ejected. Um, you no, know, I, I think the difference with the portal is, is that it affords at quality starters a chance to kind of go up a level, look for more exposure. I mean, look, West Virginia just lost an All-American, first-team All-American safety to go to Georgia. You know, um, you know, um, uh, when we play Miami in a few weeks, uh, Charleston Rambo is a top 50 wide receiver player from Oklahoma. That's, that's now expected to be, you know, starting for Miami. Um, uh, Ohio state picked up a five-star linebacker, Alabama picked up a, uh, you know, the, uh, Quavarius Crouch's, uh, uh, running mate, uh, Henry two Oh two Oh, I can't pronounce his name. Um, but he, he's a, he's at he, you know, Alabama took one of these guys, um, you know, and so you look at a Kenneth Walker, you know, led the nation or tied for the nation's lead with 13 rushing touchdowns at Wake Forest. I mean, this isn't someone that's stuck on, you know, stuck behind someone on a bench. These are power five starter or playing group quality players coming in. And that's exactly what you needed. Um, and if you look at the people that left, I think all but two or three all ended up in the Mac. Or right, I think I think Trayvon Morgan and Barnett stuck at higher level programs. No, I think they're at Memphis. No, no. Uh, Dobbs, Dobbs and Barnett are at Memphis. Okay, uh, Luke Morgan's Fulton, at Kentucky. Uh, Luke Fulton's at Kentucky, but he left because he got in a bar fight and yes, you know, or whatever yes. it was. That's different. Um, you know, he definitely could play. Um, but really, for the most part, uh, you know, uh, Dominique Long's at Duke. But I think that's to get his master's in engineering, um, you know, more than anything else. Um, gonna it's miss trimming the fat. I mean, what he did it, is he trimmed the fat. I, I yeah, hate to say it like that. No, but he got rid of the players who weren't going to get on the field for Michigan State. Well, and weren't going to get on the field because they don't fit what how Tucker sees the team. And I think that's a little. It's a little harsher than I would maybe have expected or liked. But I think the reality of the situation is that um, he has an archetype that he likes in players, and that is size and speed um and if you're big but can't run or if you're if you can run but aren't big you're probably not going to play for him there's some exceptions i mean angelo gross is going to be a starting at free safety okay and Call, look at uh, piotrowski piotrowski's in the playing group but he's six foot one on the, the defensive, defensive end. So, i mean he, he if will you can give really play he'll give you a shot right right but but he's if, not recruiting that guy you know, if 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 he was where D'Antonio was a couple of years ago, those two wouldn't be on the roster. No, I mean that's just the way it is. No, and that's where you see, you know, some of D'Antonio's most more recent classes where he was taking some, maybe some some good, I think certainly some high character kids, um, and you know, probably some some tough nosed players, but they probably just didn't have the physical ability. I mean, when you see the roster last year, I mean it was pretty damning when no when no players got drafted. Okay, that that was a whoa. Really, it fell that bad. Yeah. I mean, your best linebacker ran a four eight, and your best defensive back ran a four six at the combine. I was sad. I was sad about Simmons. I felt Simmons deserved it to be drafted. Absolutely, I was surprised he wasn't. But yeah, no, I agree. It does. It does speak to where things got. Which, and we're not here to. We don't want to get into a battle between, no. on the board no, between no, 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 no. D'Antonio Tucker. We're just saying D'Antonio was great for when he was in his prime. Things fell off. A lot of things out of his control. But you know now it's Tucker's team, and we've seen a definite change back to kind of, I guess, tightening the screws, if you will. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I think when I when I talk about him coaching with a mandate, um, he has a vision for what the team and the program will be, and everything he's doing is calculated towards 
towards improving the team, improving the roster. You know, I go back to the nutrition. I go back to the strength and conditioning. I look at the before and after pictures of, you know, uh, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor, and you know, look uh, at Mallory. I, I, Deshaun Mallory lost what he lost. He lost he's a new guy. He's, he's a new guy. He's a new human being. I mean, completely yeah. different. I mean, he he I mean, he lost a fifth, fifth grader's worth of weight, and you know, ended <laughs> up. Um, looking the great. Biggest, the, the biggest excitement for me in that whole transition is to see some of the guys who've always struggled to get their weights up. When we talk about a AJ Akuri who always hovered right at that 295, you know, yeah, Matt Allen range. never was able to get over 300 pounds. Now Matt Allen's sitting at 315, Akuri's at 310, and they look like Big Ten offensive linemen. And I, I truly, in the last four years, that's the first time I really think we can confidently say, like, our boys look like they belong at the table instead of kind of the small, you know, I, I can only imagine. What was that? Uh, so 75 who played offensive tackle for us in 2016, who was just horrible. Miguel Machado. Maybe. No, it wasn't him, but that's just another uh, name. It's, it's a Jordan guy Reed. with no name, basically. Jordan, Jordan Reed? I mean, it wasn't Jordan Reed. I can't remember it. I think he was 75. It was someone who was not supposed to be our left tackle who started there and was just horrible. Uh, and he didn't play tackle very long. I don't think he made it very long. But the point is, <laughs> this is not the way it is now. It's not the way it is now. We have uh, a line that seems very capable. When last year we were hinging on a curry, now he's our second best tackle. He doesn't have to anchor the line. And that just makes everything better for Jarvis. For you know, So the line in general, I think that growth has been great. And it kind of speaks to the macro and the nutrition and where everyone's got. Yeah, and I think I think the other important thing to note, as far as as far as I know, and I don't I don't know it, up to up to the minute, but I don't think there have been major injuries to any major contributors, other than I know Jacob Slade's got his hand in a cast. Um, I think it's just like a thumb. Th- I mean, you could probably speak more than I can, but that's all I've really heard of. Yeah, I don't I don't know enough about it, but I mean, if it depends on the hand, but they can club that thing, and they just might be it might be minor. Anything with the cast is normally better than. You know, broken bone heals in a couple weeks, so it's not too bad. Yeah, but my point is, is that by this time, usually you'd hear about three or four offensive linemen right. that are dinged up, and yeah, we Dan got a couple France's guys. Back is hurt, and you know, yeah, pick something, and we're always like scrambling to fill a roster at the very end. It, it, or at least a playing group, and and I haven't heard anything about that. You know, no. Um, I especially, most importantly, knock on everything on the offensive line, um, and I think that's and, really. And we would have, we would have, because they had open practice, which was something very new, which D'Antonio never would have done. No, and I think it's I think it's important to note that Tucker isn't. You know, he I think he he's got a little bit of Izzo in him in terms of. You know, get the media on your side. Open the doors. Show in, and because he needs to sell the program, and recruiting's gone. And we talk about the off-field stuff. It's not just the transfer portal. I mean, the 2022 recruiting class stands a really good chance of being a top 25 effort. Okay, off of a you know two and five asterisk season. I mean, that is some serious recruiting, um, and they're doing it by, quite frankly, winning the state of Michigan. And I had railed against not recruiting Michigan because I felt that Detroit was really against MSU or it was very difficult to get people, you know, get them um, interested in state. And lo and behold, uh, you know, they hired, oh, oh, I'm sorry, they hired Thomas Wilcher. How do we not talk about that? I don't even remember. Remember the <laughs> phone call we had when that was happening? That was wild. Yeah. We lost our <laughs> minds. Like you got, What do you mean? I mean, it, it was huge because you asked me what it meant and it, it's huge. It opens it up and, and look what happened. You know, J, uh, Jade Manham, uh, very likely Dylan Tatum. I mean, a pair of four-star safeties coming in. Alex Van Summeren, 
uh, you know, four-star defensive tackle, Antonio Gates Jr. Oh, look, another four-star. Um, all of a sudden, this team, you know, this this recruiting class is looking to match, you know, the transfer portal effort. And then you look at the roster, you know, for 2023 and beyond, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, that starts to look like what MSU used to look like. And I think that's really, I think that's really the key. I think, I think I'm very excited about the future. I think Tucker is a, he's got a, at least in terms of a leader and a CEO, um, I think he's a fan. I think he's been a fantastic hire. Uh, what he's done over the last 16 months has been, has been impressive to me. Um, Agreed. Now, Agreed. I'm going to tell you, I don't think that the on-field uh, performance this year is going to match the off-field necessarily. Um, I think that the roster still has major holes in it. Depth isn't where it needs to be. Um, and I think ability, quite frankly, isn't where it needs to be to be a, a, a true championship MSU team. But I think that's okay. I think most people understand it's going to be a process. You can't expect nine and three instantaneously the next year and going toe to toe with Ohio State. That's just not that's not the Michigan State program. You got to build up to that. Um, you know, and and I think most people they all everyone wants to start talking about the quarterback. Um, so let's be cliche and start talking about the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no, let's just get right into yeah. it. I know so, you and I are very vocal about who we want to be the quarterback, but in honesty, you know, a lot of times there's that old adage: if you have two quarterbacks, you, you have, have no quarterbacks. And right. I, I actually do not think that's the case in this in this battle. And I and I actually think this is probably the healthiest QB room Michigan State has had since. You know, Cousins and Nickel and Foles were all on one Oscar. We're not saying there's a bunch of NFL quarterbacks here, but we have enough guys who can play um, that, you know, I, let's put it this way. It's way more healthy than it was last year. I mean, nothing against Rocky Lombardi, but he was just not a very accurate or, you know, great quarterback, especially for what Michigan State wants to do. But, you know, I obviously we like Peyton Thorne. We've said it in the past. Uh, I really enjoy his ball. I think he's very good um, managing the game, which – People will take that as a knock. I don't. Uh, I think he can throw. We saw that pass to Trayvon Morgan in Penn State game. I thought that was a you know very you know, triple covered. I mean, the guy's six seven, but he got it there. And he had another throw like that in the open scrimmage to Jaden Reed, where I was like, wow, that is a throw. But he doesn't throw the deep ball as long as Russo. And I, I think uh, it's going to be a battle. I'll let you talk a little bit on Russo. I know you've kind of looked at his previous stats at Temple, which Ugh. are not exciting to either of us, I know. So here's here my look. I'm, I'm I don't want to beat a dead horse because I, I think people that have have listened to this or people I've talked to already know um, the biggest concern with Russo for me is is the really high interception total. Um, I think 32 interceptions in two and a half years starting um, that would put him number one all time on MSU's interception list without even a third full year. You know, in the books of games. You know, I think I played three or four games last three games last year. Um, you know, sure, okay, through 14 as a freshman, that's a lot. Well, that still gives you 18 in two, you know, in a year and a half, um, you know, in excess of one a game. Um, that's just not good. Now, what works in his favor is that he, he's, a, he's a big guy, um, which he can see, the, it helps you see the field better. Um, he does run, he's run a lot of short stuff. And I know it's kind of funny to say, but MSU has really struggled with the short passing game for a long time. Um, you know, it seemed like counter cook could never complete a screen pass. In fact, you could argue the game against, or he lost the game at Oregon in 2014 because he couldn't get the ball to Trevor Pendleton Pendleton. 
you know, uh, Lewerke against Ohio State in 2019 misses Cody White on a crosser, you know. Oh, he's still three feet. Running. Yeah, I know. He'd be, you know, you have a chance at least to go toe to toe or at least have some hope and so on and so forth. Right. I mean, just the inability to complete the short pass has really been a problem. Uh, and, and Russo can do that. I mean, Temple, Temple ran a ton of, of screens and bubble screens and, um, so he can at least be accurate, short, and he does. He can throw the ball a long way. Okay, he's a strong arm. I question his decision making on when to take to make those throws, um, and I don't. I just don't think his ceiling as a quarterback is much above, a, a bit above average. Okay, so what would that look like? You know, maybe sixty something, low sixties completion percentage, maybe seven yards an attempt. You know, seventeen touchdowns, nine interceptions, or something like that, or ten interceptions, or something. You know, okay, he's, you know, he's there, he's okay, he's not gonna, he's not going to beat you. Uh, he might put you in a hole, small hole, you know, or might, you know, not a lot of variance there. Um, you know, there's some people that think he he really has a lot of arm talent, and he just has a terrible supporting cast around him. Okay, um, then he's really going to be dependent on the offensive line and the running game we right. talk about, which I th- we think will be better. But you know, it's not going to be. But you know. I, you know, I think I think our question with this team is, and when we get to it, we'll talk about the defense. But I think our question is the defense. You know, my concern with Russo is if he takes these risks, you know, the defense, which might be weaker and take a little longer to get, you know, up to form. My big concern is, you know, we don't need to be putting our defense behind the eight ball. We saw what happened against that game. We forgot against Rutgers. You know, we don't need to be starting on the twenty yard line because he threw an interception. You know, we need. I think for this defense, I think Thorne is the better option based purely on he probably won't throw as many interceptions. And if our offensive line is as good as we think it or better, and we can run the ball with our running backs, which is our probably strongest position, I think you know, give it to the guy who's not, who's going to allow the ball to be in their hands more. That's well, my thought process. I, I I actually kind of disagree a little bit in that I think this team is going to need to lean on the offense. I, I mean, I agree that the defense isn't going to be that good, um, or certainly not a vintage unit. And last year, I mean, they gave up like thirty plus points a game. I mean, they got. I mean, you know, they got blown out by Iowa. They got blown out by Ohio right. State. But remember, they, they up- remember, they were the they were good. They were good yards defense. I think they were just the worst scoring defense because the offense put them in horrifying right positions. because of because of turnovers and that's really. Right. And that's really kind of my concern with with Russo, um, you know. And and I think I, the, the other thing is that generally, after someone's played and started for you know twenty six games or twenty five games, you kind of are what you are in college. You usually see a jump in a guy's playing when his performance, you know, after his third year in a program and in his second year starting. Okay. Um, third year is, is really a strength and conditioning. Hey, they're at least at the, at the national average for time in the weight room, their bodies mature. Um, so they can really use their physical skills to their best, uh, their ability. And then second year starting, you really need to get used to the, to game speed, um, especially big 10 game speed. And, you know, AAC isn't a terrible league, but it's not the big 10 and Russo will have a, have a learning curve there. Um, but I, I, I don't think that the offense needs to be conservative, and I don't think it should be expected. I think this is an offense that is going to be able to move the ball and, and score a bit. And so the defense doesn't have to be 
16 points a game, you know, 20 points a game. No, I'm, I'm with you. I and agree so, with you. And so a guy that can, a guy that can move you and I, I can see the advantage to look the, the strongest position group on the, on, on the offense. It, I guess it's a tie between the, the receivers and the running backs, right? Right. You've got, you feel like you have two great, good to great players at each spot. Right. Um, and in, in Naylor and Reed at receiver and, uh, a healthy Elijah Collins and then uh, Kenneth Walker at running back. Um, you know, to say nothing of Harold Joyner, et cetera. I just, I feel like the quarterback just has to be functional to right. be, you know, just has to be, be not, you know, better than. No, a, I, right? I, I think a game, a good game manager. That's, that's what my kind of thought about Thorne is because I agree with you. The best position groups are the skill positions, the receivers, the running back. So Give the quarterback who's going to get the ball in their hands more often than the guy who might give it to the other team. Give yourself more chances. That's my thought process. But I get what you're saying. If Thorne can, I mean, if Russo can get to the deep ball more, maybe breaks the game open quicker. Get well, you, the, get you a, a cushion. I, not a cushion, but you know what I mean. Right. Well, on the flip side of that is that with the so so this is a spread offense. Okay, this is not a clock control. Right. People talk about oh, we got to run the ball and wear down. This is not. The two 2010 Edwin Baker, Le'Veon Bell, pound the rock offense. Um, they're expecting. I mean, it's a modern spread with you know moderate tempo, it, meaning you know they're not going to hold the ball for 36 seconds between plays. Um, they're going to look to score and score regularly. I mean, you know, that's they're going to push the ball downfield. They're going to take shots. They're not going to grind it out with a fullback. Um, there isn't a fullback. They're going to use the tight ends as H backs, and and because of that, you're going to need a guy that can either push the ball ball downfield, take advantage of the wide receiver speed, or be able to run the read option with the running backs. And Thorne can run the read option, and Russo can't. But Russo can make the deep deep ball, and Thorne can't. I think that's what it comes down to. And right. my my gut says that they're going to because the running backs are going to be per- probably pretty good on their own um they're going to lean towards the deep, the, the deep the deep ball thrower rather than the yeah. rather than the, that, that that's what i think i think russo is going to start that's where I, at least today we'll talk we'll do another podcast on sunday and see if anything comes up but that's what i expect right i think um, we i think we've, we've agreed to that even though we both i think if it was our decision we'd we'd choose thorn I, I but you know nobody cares what we say but i think we'd like thorn for this year but also the health of the program because i, I kind of off pod we kind of talked a little bit you know, we think that Russo probably gives you a better chance to win at Northwestern, but long term for the higher ceiling of the team, it's probably Thor. Well, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, Northwestern's got eight new starters on defense and a new defensive coordinator. I think a, a mobile quarterback could really could cause problems. And I think actually the speed at receiver, um, which gave Northwestern issues last year, could still could could be a problem again. Um, and I think. Um, I don't think it necessarily matters as long as your overall quarterback plays a little above average. Um, if you have a threat to stretch the field, they can't load the box. It's basic, kind of basic football. Um, the problem with Michigan State really hasn't been, we always focus on the quarterback, and yes, they were bad last year, but it's really been a lack of a good ground game since 2014. I mean, it's really that, gone. That, I mean, that's all That's all on the offensive line, though. It is, that's, and that's... It's tough to get on LJ or anybody. And that's kind of my point. We're spending a lot of time talking about Thorne and Russo, but I think we really both agree you're going to get better. I, I think the worst the worst you're going to see is pure average C-level play 
I think that's the I think that's the floor for both of them. Agreed. Um, which which might mean they they have they get annihilated by Ohio State. Okay, like you know, but that but you know on they the could year, be, they could be a plus and you're still going to get annihilated right. by Ohio State. Well, I'm just saying that like the in terms right. of like oh you know they had a terrible outing at Ohio State. Okay, well an average quarterback is going to do that against a good a good, well they were terrible at pass defense, but we're assuming they get back to form. Um, and I think I think really if you look at the success of the team. You can't rely on the defense anymore. It's not uh, 2018's long in the past, so you got to go to the offense. And the offense didn't have a single rusher rush for a, a rushing touchdown last year. I'm sorry, a single running back. That has to change. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you have Peyton Manning throwing to Marvin Harrison or you know Tom Brady throwing to Randy Moss. If you can't run the ball and you can't get the team to respect the run, it doesn't matter. And I think right. the, probably the most encouraging news, and we we I think we 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 talked about it, got around it. But let's be honest, they have a quality offensive line coach who is maybe the best offensive line coach well, in the country. I don't know about that, no, no, no. Top five. The guy at Notre Dame, the guy at Ohio, at Wisconsin, the guy at Iowa. I mean, those are okay. those are some real fine. And Alabama, obviously, Cap's a dude. Uh, Cap's a but dude. But he's a dude. He's a dude. And so, if you look at that, it just makes everything. It's. I, I say. I feel like I've said this on every podcast since 2015. Your offensive line is good. Everything else flows. Um, even the the 2017 line gave you a glimmer of it. Okay, they could get a yard if they needed a yard. They could pass protect. Okay, and then Brian Allen left. Chewins never got healthy, and it was a disaster since then. Um, but they've got enough pieces on the O-line with Horst allowing a Curry to move to tackle and Jarvis moving to guard and Matt Allen being healthy. And I think he's going to hold off Samek or Samick. Um, yeah, and that's a good issue his- to have too. They can, they're interchangeable. I mean, that's just more depth. And I, I do think that's quality depth, not just a guy. Yeah. Samek and, and Allen. I think that's, that's just something you haven't had. Right. And you feel good about, um, you know, getting Spencer Brown's feet wet as a redshirt sophomore at tackle. And you feel good about uh, James Ahomba at guard. And so them plus the loser of the or loser, whoever finishes second in the set in, in, in the center. <laughs> oh, race. I thought you were going to say the loser, Matt Carrick. I was about to die laughing. No, 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 no. He's just not, he's just not that good. And that's okay. Um, that is that's okay. okay. No, I'm just saying because they've got a home, now and they've got, you know, Buter's right. kind of function. No, they, they have guys um, who actually, and they're like the size they should be for the position. I think that's so important. Well, and it's something well, we're not really looking at, at least with Colorado, the year that Cap was there, their running game was, I think it's in the hundreds. Last year, you know, after one year of Cap, they were like 30s. I mean, that changed like where their offensive line was ranked. I don't, I think that was by pro football. Focus. Yeah, pro football. That kind of impact he can have from one year to the next. I mean, it kind of gives some, there's reason for Kasha optimism by the size of the players, by how we've added that tackle to slide, um, to slide Jarvis inside. I mean, there's reason for optimism here. This isn't like every other year we're like, oh, like pray and hold on. Like there is true reason, and we can see it with our own eyes with the spring game, with the open practice. That there's actually this is this isn't fool's gold like it has been every other year. At least to me, I feel like every year we have the same conversation. Every year we're like in Charlie Brown kicking the football again just to get it pulled away. So I think this year we actually might have at least an average, maybe a little above average all line. Yeah, and I think that and the, I think the that kind of flows into the running backs. Um, you know, with with Elijah Collins being sick, uh, having COVID last year. We didn't know what was going on, but now it turns out he was he had COVID. Um, you couldn't expect 
looking back, of course you can't expect much out of that. You had a true freshman running back in Simmons, and that's really it. I mean, Connor Haywood, we we all know is not a he's a he's a athlete without a position. Um, more than he is a running back. And he's done some good things over the years. Um, missed some holes, of course, but, you know, he scored two touchdowns against Michigan. Um, he's got a place on the team, but that's not I love him. I love him in the H-back. I do too. I think it's, I I think it's a smart use of, uh, use of his talent. But I, I think realistically, you're going to have Kenneth Walker, who, in case you, you've been living under a rock, uh, is a, um, he's just a complete running back from Wake Forest. He is a, he's fast. He's also quick. He's got wiggle. He's got burst. Um, I mean, he's just a very good player. And um, you know, I think he averages over five yards of carry for his career in the um, in the ACC. And I think he's got like twenty career touchdowns or something. I mean, he's productive. He's efficient. He's he's rushed for I think nearly twelve, like eleven hundred plus yards in his career. I mean, he's proven that he can play. Obviously, Elijah Collins nearly hit a uh, thousand yards in twenty nineteen. Um, he's back, he's healthy. Everyone says old Eli's back. And if they're locked in a battle, knowing what Walker is, you figure, you figure Collins is back to what he was. So you basically added a, a lightning fast player, kind of an Edwin Baker to the, um, maybe not Le'Veon Bell, but to like, a I don't know, a Gerald Holmes or something like that in Collins. Collins is probably better than Holmes though. Um, so it's nice. It's nice to have a, a you figure you have a nice one to punch. And if they've got a, a halfway decent offensive line, you know, I, I think, I think, you can consider the ground game functional. And again, I think that's, we're so starved for decent offense. I think we're listening to these practice reports and kind of gushing and realizing that like, we're just getting to average or a little above average here. You know, I mean, they scored 18 points a game last year. They scored 20 something the year before 22. Um, You know, average is like, like 29 and a half in college football. Okay. Yeah. It's been miserable. I, I mean, you could score, 10 points a game more and barely be, and you'd be still be below average. Okay. And 10 points in a year is a, is a big jump in, in productivity. Um, doesn't happen very often. It can happen though. And it usually happens when you have a horrific offense one year and the next. Um, but that goes to show you, you know, part of the transfers. Okay. So there's a guy, you know, Harold Joyner, we talked about him at all. No. So I mean, I, he just seems like a guy without a position to me. You know, I yeah, don't know where he factors in in the running back game. I don't know where he's going to play. Like the receivers seem, you know, pretty strong. You just got to find a way to get that guy touches, and that kind of comes to kind of the, the macro look of the running backs. Is there's a lot of talent there. I mean, I know you're not the biggest fan of Jordan Simmons. I, I like actually, Jordan Simmons. I, I like Jordan Simmons. <laughs> I thought he fell forward, which is something we haven't had a running back do. <laughs> In a while. I mean, I always felt like people fell backwards, right? Like every time a running back get hit, fell backwards the last three, four years. With Simmons always seemed to find an extra yard here or there. I, I, with that offensive line last year, I was impressed. Everyone talks about dominating England. They're like, he's a guy that's going to have to play eventually. I'm glad he's a redshirt freshman so he can stick around um, because I Hopefully think he's he sticks really, around with the transfer rules. Yeah, he's really – he's someone I think they're trying to keep under wraps. Um, I've heard – I keep hearing – more and more about him people rave about him yeah yeah and so i think that's something to be um something to keep an eye on i think i think the point is in we've been clamoring about this for years the skill talent at michigan state is winning quality it is i mean tight ends okay maybe not but you know if you put joiner and hayward as h backs as pass catchers i mean joiner for those that you don't know six four two twenty um he's from auburn or transfer from auburn he was a four-star athlete he's just this long, big, fast, long striding athlete 
Okay, but he's not a linebacker, and he's he he's a running back, but his body type kind of screams receiver. And so I think what they'll do, they use him on third downs and send him out on wheel routes. Um, you know, chip and chip and leak out in the backfield because he can he can catch and he can. I watched him. At, I watched his highlights at Auburn. I mean, kid can run. Um, but that's the example. Reminds me of like a souped up like Larry Caper. I mean, that's kind of what, like a, like a plus Larry Caper, or like a if R.J. Shelton was a running back instead of a receiver, or you know, or or if Connor Hayward was had was four inches taller and had moves. I mean, that's kind of it's kind of like <laughs> a he's kind of like you you upped his you up the agility on Madden on on Hayward and stretched him out a little bit. I mean, that's kind of what his skill set is. Um, because he does have good hands, and Hayward has phenomenal hands. I mean, that's that's his calling card. And the problem is Hayward doesn't have any any vision or wiggle. He can go straight kind of fast. Well, Joiner can go straight faster, and he's got some moves. I mean, that's a nice that's a nice potential weapon. I mean, I I think we're expecting the tight ends to be terrible uh, at pass catching. Yeah, there's just and I mean, Tyler just, Hunt is Tyler Hunt is your guy. That's all you have to know about that position. That's that's bad. Converted. Not good. That's a punter. That's a that's punter. A punter. That's a punter. But and you know I do what? think Malik Carr would have been the guy. I do think yeah. he would have been the guy if he was healthy. But he just got started, you know, practicing after his like healed foot fracture. So I, I just don't see him contributing this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't either. Unfortunately, he's got the. I mean, he he could. You know, he he's Deion Sims two point physical 100 that's exactly what i when i saw him i was like oh that's, that's uh, there there's Deion sims boy I, thanks for taking a break from the nfl um and uh I, the other guy I, i've heard good things about cameron allen yeah it's tough uh, that position for a freshman is tough because it's is. so much about bla- blocking and i know in his high school he was more of like a, a stand-up kind of a yeah. third wide receiver so I think that might just be I, – I, we've heard good things, but it might just be too difficult for him to, to totally reform his body. Remember, he's an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. He didn't roll I, early, but it's just – it's a tough position to get on the field early for. Yeah, he is a leader, and I know he's kind of taking control of the tight end locker room, which is kind of impressive for a freshman. That um, is impressive. But the flip side is, you know, I haven't heard anything from Trenton Gillison or about him. No. Um, which is unfortunate. You know, he's one of the few, um, you know, high high – highly regarded recruits left on the roster and he's a tight end and he had a big bowl game in 2019, you know, had like 80 plus yards and four catches and looked like a kind of a breakout performance. And he did, he did nothing last year. It's really, it's really unfortunate. Right. He did get um, hurt last year. He did. He did. Get hurt. He did. But it, the nice thing, again, this goes back to Tucker's plan. I mean, he plucked, you know, Ted Gilmore from Wisconsin, who's responsible for Wisconsin's tight ends. And, you know, outside of Iowa, I don't think there's a program that produces better tight ends in the big 10. Um, so you hope with a year of coaching, and that's kind of underrated. We don't talk about that much. Um, you hope with a year of coaching that 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 the tight ends can be serviceable. But if you look at the offense as a whole, you know, let's say let, let let's be conservative and call call the quarterback a C plus. Okay, I, I think I think Thorne can get to a B this year. I think I think C plus is probably where Russo ends up. Maybe he's a B minus. Let's say a above average offensive line. Let's give him a C plus B minus. Uh, running backs. A minus. A minus? Okay. Receivers yes. B, B plus with no Ricky White. Assuming there's no Ricky White, we don't know anything about Ricky Agreed. White. Although, <laughs> although we didn't really talk. We didn't really. Yeah. I mean, God, everyone's going to ask. But the one thing we haven't talked about receiver wise is Montour Foster repping with the ones over Trey Mosley. That's a pretty big development. And they've been raving about him at camp. They said he's a guy that's going to play. I mean, that's a guy who, you know, hadn't played 
organized football till he was a senior. You know, no one knew about him. Dowell's uh, father called uh, Dino in the le- like twelfth hour and said, "Do you yeah. take this kid?" And well, that's and why he's on our team. And uh, you know, sky's the limit for Montour Foster. Yeah, and that's kind of a uh, um, you know, I, I've I've been down on D'Antonio's recruiting, but he did leave some. There are some diamonds in the rough left. He did he did undermine a couple of guys that can still play. Angelo Gross is a great example. Um, right. You know, Petrowski is a great example. Jalen Hunt yes. is a great example. Um, well, I, I don't give him the Jalen Hunt credit so much. Remember, he did not recruit Jalen Hunt until Iowa oh, kind of cut ties with him. That's true. But no, but yes, Petrowski, I mean, no, D'Antonio did better than he did bad normally in his recruiting. He just, he refused to kind of go the transfer portal route, kind of the process players if you will and for better or for worse tucker has no problem doing that yeah and i think well i I think if you look at that then the receivers i mean with even without white you have you have two what i would say proven starters who we think all big players to me potentially potentially i mean you know you got about you know i think they each get i think uh you know naylor had 500 yards and reed had 400 and something you know stretch that over a full year and you know maybe they get to 800 and 700 or something like that you know which are which is solid very solid very respectable um i thought i think nailers come a really long way from being a track guy playing football to being an actual receiver i was actually surprised they gave Jaden reed the number one jersey over nailer um i think because i think nailer was a, was a better receiver last year he was he was the only problem with nailer is he really hears footsteps he really struggles to t- catching traffic sometimes yeah. uh, and that's something he needs to improve on and i'm hoping with the nutrition he does a better job, but I mean, there are guys coming in the receiver room too. I mean, you have four-star receiver, Terry Lockett, you know, we don't talk about him, but he got in the field a little bit last year. I don't think he registered a catch, but he played. He did. You have Keon Coleman, um, a big, big guy down from down South. You know, that's another late recruiting ad that's going to pay dividends. And people say like, you know, right now he's struggling to like the routes, you know, just to get as crisp as you can. You know, Courtney Hawkins, who we don't talk about enough either, has done a great job with improving their route running. I mean, Coleman's going to factor in at some point when he finally clicks and is that he might be a little prima donna, but that's okay. Yeah. So is Plexico Burris. Well, he's uh, Coleman. And this is the thing that we talk about with, with how recruiting has been and, and what the roster looks like. Um, uh, there were no real freaks on last year's roster, except maybe hunt, you know, maybe some of the defensive tackles being able to move the way they are. Um, not, not the way the NFL wants them, not the way that, you know, you know, there was no Kenny Willekes or Shalik Calhoun or a, um, you know, Danico's Allen, who sure he's five ten, but he can bench press a bus and, you know, run around. There's no right. Trey Waynes. There's no uh even a Justin Lane where, ooh, I can just is just smooth or Josiah Scott. Yeah, sure, I'm 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 five nine, but I run a four four flat. So I can stick with and I've got quick hips and I can sink. You know, I mean guys that just have that next level athletic ability. There are now there aren't enough of them to compete for a Big Ten title, but there are there are athletes on this roster again. And Coleman is one of them. Um, Kink Brown. Kink Brown, Quaveras Crouch, uh, Harold Joyner. Absolutely. Um, I think you're going to be very impressed with what Horse does at left tackle. Um, every, I keep coming back to that because I can't believe I'm going to say this. Uh, he's better than um, than they thought. Yes. I mean, no, they, every, they, he's they, got some nastiness in them. That's the big thing people, they say. Like They can't stop him. Yeah, people are really happy about him. So there are some guys that can move in ways that we haven't seen in a couple of years. And that's 
it doesn't mean that they're going to gel and that the, the team is going to be coherent. And that's really why, you know, I don't think they're going to be much better than a six, seven win team, but I, I, I think you're going to see guys make plays and make moves and things that you haven't seen before or recently. And Coleman's an example. I mean, the receiver room, it's, we talk about, you know, it's really Naylor and Reed, Naylor and Reed, Naylor and Reed. There isn't all that much experience behind them. So you're going to need that third receiver to come on because it is a three, it's a base, it's a base three receiver set you know, single back, tight end, uh, Hunt's going to play a lot. Gillison's probably going to play a lot. Um, but those, that third receiver is going to be, um, is probably going to be the number three pass catcher, unless they really get Collins yeah. or someone involved in the, in the running back involved or something. And we, we haven't even talked about Trey Mosley, who's had a record of, you know, he had a big freshman year, didn't do too much last year. No, he was hurt, but I mean, there, there are guys for that third receiver, which is going to be in a very important position, as you said. And there are people at least that have some, I mean, at least Mosley has some proven, you know track record behind him i mean albeit his freshman year but uh, i mean there's a lot of athletes competing for that third well, spot the nature of the offense is is that you're going to get that fourth and fifth receiver some some burn you know we only catch you know eight ten balls during the year but you'll need the, the blocking on the outside's important keeping the the main guys fresh for the big plays. so you know and i think i think that all that goes to say i think the offense can be slightly above average Okay, I think they can get to that twenty-eight points a game ish range. That's a huge. You know, that's maybe a, huge a little bit step. more than that. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a step towards towards competence, and I think that takes some pressure off the defense. As long as again, you know, turning the ball over. Who knows about ball security? You know, throw that up in the air. There's too many too many questions, and still in year two with the scheme. Um, I think the one good thing to keep in mind before we go to the defense is that at least the four starters on the offensive line have started together repeatedly. Um. And there's some coherency up. There's some coherent uh, reps going on up front, and you've got experience with Naylor and Reed having started, you know, double-digit games and so on and so forth. So there's some there's some veteran offensive players. I think they can be okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm I'm excited to see. I think, and I think that's the first time in a while I'm actually you know very much looking forward to the offensive line, the running game. Whereas yeah. I think in the years past we kind of were kind of holding onto our butts for lack of a better word, praying, um, trying to parse yeah. games against Furman that it wasn't that bad. So I think this right. is a nice, nice position to oh, be in. I guess now well, we can, we can move to the defense where I think that's where our bigger holes are. Well, I think, I think the, the talk about nice position, I think we can talk about the defensive line as pr- definitely the strength of the defense, arguably the best yes. position, the best overall position on the team. I think in terms of depth, I think there are, assuming Slade can play, I think there are eight guys, four tackles, four ends they feel good about. Um, I think they're, they're good with on um, in tackles. They've got Hunt and Slade and Mallory and Hanson. Uh, with Simeon Barrow, um, a redshirt freshman, coming on really strong. As really kind of that, strong. That, I mean, three-tech, quick step, getting the backfield penetration, then Mallory getting down into like the 285, 290 range. Um, you know, his quick first step. Um, you know, you know, maybe there's not a Jarrell worthy, you know, unless Hunt is. Yeah, I, I think Hunt is a Jarrell worthy. I really do. I mean, he's just scratching the surface. I mean, people forget, you know, we put a lot of accolades, you know, on him last year, a lot of burden. He was only a redshirt freshman. Right. Now, this kid's still coming in his own 320. You know, I, he, he did an interview the other day and he just sounded so well spoken and he had really, you know, a, a 
greater idea of like what he needs to be and how he needs to do it. He says, you know, I text Raekwon all the time. You know, I wear 99 for him and he gives me tips and he's like, I text Panishuk to get tips. I mean, the kid just gets it. And, yeah. and when you have that kind of guy anchoring your defensive line, only good things can come from there. Right. And I think, I think the thing with him is he's got that story that so many guys, when, you know, first round NFL draft picks, you hear, oh, came in as a, a, you know, was a running back in high school and then just kept growing. And that's exactly, he was a running back at 6'2", 270 at Belleville, um, Bellevue, sorry. And uh, um, he just kept growing and now he can move at 6'4", 320. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's just that kind of athletic ability. You know, he can just handle the weight, and I think that you know, you talk go back to kind of the guys that that Tucker's recruiting. He's he's not recruiting skinny guys that he's trying to add sixty seventy pounds to. He wants guys that have that frame, and right. uh, you know, it's hard it's hard to do, it's hard to recruit defensive tackles. But look, Maverick Hansen, there's kind of an afterthought in the twenty nineteen class six four three ten. He flashed last year. He, he's got like longer arms. Um, you know, Slade's got heavy hands. I mean, they've got some very, very strong defensive tackles. Um, on the end, I think they're more solid than they are spectacular, I guess. Solid is, solid is a great word. They're just, they're all solid. I feel like uh, Drew Beasley, obviously the leader of the group, sixth year senior walk on, um, but kind of a different walk on. I mean, he had D1 offers from like Central and Western. I mean, he's like a, he's like the star of a Mac team. You know that basically came to uh, t- to play at Michigan State, and he, he right. you know, he had three sacks last year. He can move inside and play D tackle on that. You know, if they would go to a three man line, um, great leader, great representative of the school. Um, yeah, he'll be a captain. Yeah, sure. absolutely, absolutely, and just a, and, just a great Spartan. Tucker asked for a back. I mean, and that's a big deal. Like you know, there there were guys who could have taken the sixth year that did not get those years. You know, Trey Pearson, great Spartan, didn't get asked back. Beasley, that was one of the first guys they went to. And I think that speaks to, I mean, obviously our position depth at defensive end, but what he brought to that defense and that cohesive, you know, unit. And, and that kind of goes in with, you know, we talk about Panishuk, who, you know, quietly, you know, probably doing great in camp. You know, COVID last year, you know, he gained his weight back this year. You know, Loki, I think Panishuk can be very solid player. And I don't think a lot of players are talking about him right now. And I think well, that's important to have him back, at least his experience. Well, they really thought that he was going to take a huge jump in 2019, and he played okay. I think he had four sacks or something like that. Um, but then he got—I didn't realize he had COVID and lost 40 pounds or 30 pounds or something. Yeah, trying to apparently play. there was at one point he was at like 215. Like yeah, that's just not I, functional yeah, at defensive end. No, and so he, so he's he's gained it back. He's up and he's listed 255. So you know, it depends on what you had ate the night eat the night before, but. Um, Definitely back to his playing weight. Um, you feel good about him. Um, the transfer, uh, Drew Jordan from oh, from Duke. I forgot. I totally forgot. I thought we were going to talk about Tank Brown. I totally forgot about no. Drew Jordan. I, you know, really, we haven't heard his name that much this camp, which is kind of weird. He's going to be in the rotation. He They yeah. expect him to be in the rotation. I, he came in at like 280. And he's now 255, and he was raving about the nutrition program, how much better it was than what they had at Duke. Um, and I think you know, you look at a guy like a uh, an Avery Dunn, who was one of D'Antonio's last recruits in 2020, and he's a guy that came in at like looking like Shalik Calhoun, 6'4", 205. He's now 245, and he's flashing. Uh, you know, and then Michael Fletcher, who is probably going to be the number three defensive end, um, he's the one plus size guy, I guess, 6'6", 260, 265, looks long. Um, 
he's not a whip around the edge bend guy. He's more of a Will Golston can control his man, get off blocks, um, and then you know make plays in the backfield. Um, so I, I think this is a good run. I think it's going to be a very good run stopping line. Um, pass rush gets to the quarterback. Yeah, you, I mean, that's where in because Fletcher doesn't have that bend either. And he that's the guy expecting it. He doesn't have that hip bend, which you need so no, dearly. And and I, it all kind of comes down to like. Tank Pan- Brown, I mean, basically, because 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 Panishuk doesn't have the doesn't have the first step to really get around no. the edge. He has good hands, actually. He has pretty good hands, and he can. He's pretty good at, at slapping down the the D tackles or the offensive tackles um, first punch. I've actually been kind of impressed with that. But he doesn't have the whip around that a Calhoun has. He doesn't have the um, center of gravity control that Willikis really played with. That I thought found really impressive. Um, he's still a solid player and he's, he's a, he's definitely closer to a speed rusher than anything else. But I think tank Brown's kind of it in yeah. terms of, I mean, Pete, Pete they say can get at the quarterback, but you just, we just haven't seen him enough to say, we know what we're getting there, but tank Brown, I guess we haven't seen him either, but I mean, they raved it about Minnesota weight room. Um, you know, and for whatever reason he left Minnesota, it definitely wasn't because he wasn't good enough. So, I mean, right. he's a guy that, you know, they played at linebacker. I know Hazelton talked about, you know, moving, just bring him over to DN one day and him just kind of flashing like, whoa, that is a guy. And right. uh, I mean, uh, I have a hard time seeing him playing linebacker. I mean, I think he would be, a, you know, very much at least to begin the designated third down rusher. And then from there, who knows if he gets his hand in the dirt consistently. He will. I think that, I think that's his ultimate position. I think he's going to put on 15, 20 more pounds and be a DN, but he's only a redshirt freshman. He needs to learn the position. So turn, turn the guy loose with his athletic ability, like you would an Ed Davis or, um, or even, you know, Calhoun, that's how he got his start. He was, he backed up Golston and all he had to do was go get the quarterback on third down. Didn't have to think too much, just be an athlete, you know, and he had, you know, you know, a couple a sack or a couple sacks or something like that in a small reserve role, but it still got his feet wet. And then he blew up the next year. You don't need all that much experience to really move you along the learning curve in terms of game speed. And so give him the taste. Um, so I, I think overall D line, just, a, I think a solid, like eight across the board, eight out of 10. Yeah. A, I think, I think they're a B, B, B and a half plus unit. Yeah. Cause I, I would you say know, like the D tackles, nine out of 10 defensive end, six out of 10. I think eight. Yeah. Fair. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. I think the, the ends, I think the ends are good. I, they're just, they're just solid. Solid. Um, you know, solid. who knows? Who knows? I mean, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Drew, Drew Jordan had four sacks last year. Maybe he has eight this year. Like, you right. know, uh, they won't get blown off the line. They, they're not like in a position no, where they're so thin, no. they're going to get blown off the line. And that's really what they can can't do no and they're all seniors i mean all the ends are seniors except for fletcher i mean they've got uh, the tackles aren't but the tackles are big and have already proven themselves i'm not worried about right. that um but the the ends are are all experienced players with years in the system i mean they're they're going to be stout up front problem yeah. is, is if you, once you get past the up front group i mean i'm back seven really concerns me um i, know. I think <laughs> I know. you know I, I, I'll, I'll put it this way so quavarius crouch is the uh you know kind of the star transfer i mean people in terms of highest rated recruit he's on the same level as julian barnett you know top 60 ish player he was at one time rivals number one overall player in the country in a five star out of high school as a running back as a running back uh but he's six two six three uh 235 um he's faster than xavier henderson <laughs> I did not. I did not know that. They they had a they had a they had a race. He can get up over twenty one and a half miles an hour in a sprint. 
Um, they put on those those uh, packs and stuff to check to their speed, and he's got like some of the he's like one of the fastest players on the team. <laughs> so he's a, he is the probably the biggest freak of all the freak athletes they have. The problem is, is he's definitely a freak athlete playing linebacker. Um, I watched him at Tennessee. He has no idea what he's doing. None. No, no idea. No. And I don't know if that was the coaching at Tennessee. And actually, I. I Unfortunately for Michigan State, I think the weakest member of the entire coaching staff is Ross Ells at this point. So it, that is not a great situation to be dropping the guy who needs to learn the most into. Right. So I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, but that's you know, he, and 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 he's going to start. He's definitely I mean, a seaball. He's a sea. Right. He's a he's a seaball get ball guy. Like he is going to make plays, but he is going to get burned. Yeah. I mean, he's also. I mean, he's he's such a freak athlete. I mean, he can make a mistake, recover, and still make a big play. Um, right. but you're not going to see a, you know, a, a, you know, if you were hoping for, you know, Danico's Allen plus three right. inches, you know, you're, you're, which would basically be Ryan Shazier. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's a, he's, he's every bit the athlete, if not a little better, quite frankly. I mean, he is, he is beyond, I mean, he's going to, he, when it comes time for the combine in a couple of years, he's going to test off the charts. Um, but he will he, get drafted one day. I mean, he's, he's too big of a freak to do anything else, but he needs to. The fact that he easily is starting, um, either I mean, maybe Els is a good coach. I just haven't, I didn't, I really, really hated the back seven tackling last year. Way too much arm tackling, way too much trying to rip the ball out rather than get the guy on the ground. And I really hope that's not what's being coached. Um, it's not fundamental football. And when you're spread out and spread offenses like that, you need to get there's your no out. way it is. Tucker is a saving disciple, though. Yeah, like, no way. Yeah. So I, I'm, I think if there's a position coach that's kind of not on the hot seat, but that's going to be under scrutiny, I think it is going to be Els. Uh, I know he is a probably one of the better recruiters on the roster, but you can't you, you, linebacker is too important of a position. I mean, all the positions it is. are important. Now remember, we do, we do give them a hard time, but I will say we did switch our whole linebacker reading system and obviously you can speak more to that than me but i know that no yeah. harvey talked about that in his interview oh, a little yeah. bit like changing the gapping scheme he was like i was always second guessing what i was doing and he was like when i did that that cost a touchdown at iowa and he's like i didn't even figure out what i was doing by the time the guy was by me and that's i mean you know with a year in the system hopefully that changes for these guys which allows them to play faster now obviously a lot of them have limitations but i do think you do have guys there who could step up. At least there's enough bodies. We just don't know how good they are. I know Van Summeren has his limitations. We know what Noah Harvey is, unfortunately. But, you know, Chase Klein looked like a good player. Cal Holiday was repping with the ones the other day in open practice. I mean, there's some guys who just don't know who's it going to be, but it's concerning. Well, Holiday, Holiday can run, and that actually impressed me. He was a guy that was, you know, like a Chris Fry type, you know, out of high school. Chris Fry, was, you know, measured six feet. He was an animal. Yeah, but like six one one ninety at a camp again in Michigan State, and they're like, okay, um, you can run and hit, but like you're like small for a safety. What do you mean you're playing linebacker? Well, he got up to in the two thirties by the time he graduated. Lost some of his speed, so he what he was honorable mention all Big Ten, but he was at least a play guy you could play. Um, I watched Halliday in the spring game. I, I he can run, and he's running at you know two thirty or something. I was like, oh okay, you know maybe that's a guy. Um, you know, re- the reality is they're probably a year of coaching away from being decent. I just don't think, I think Harvey, Harvey has probably the scheme knowledge now. Um, oh, just to explain. Um, so D'Antonio's system against the run was outside, uh, to, to keep the middle strong, force all the runners to go to the outside, string them along and have the secondary 
cleanup because the safeties were so close to the line of scrimmage in the quarter scheme. So the farther you could string out the run, the faster help comes. Um, and the middle is always tough with the two D tackles and, and uh, you know the middle linebacker there and the, you know the safeties in the box. Um, this is a this is a four two five base. I mean, I know they're, they'll screw around with it, but it, it's really going to be a um, I, the purpose is actually to funnel everything to the middle um, and keep it from going the outside. In the first touchdown against Rutgers, you can see Harvey picking the wrong gap, trying to spill it outside, spill it outside. And, and, and so he gets steps out to, to, to go that way. And the guy just runs up the middle because he's not there anymore. And, uh, and that was a, it was a, the same thing happened with Iowa. I mean, they just were reading every, they were, when the games start, your practice kicks in and they've been practicing in the other scheme for, for four years, you know, the four years prior or three years prior. And, and that instinct was taking over. Um, and so people weren't on the same page that should be all but eliminated. Now they've got two, two real fall camps in this and a spring game. Um, so that's interesting. Um, one thing I've heard, I mean, we talked about that is that, um, you know, the, defensive backs were pretty bad last year. I mean, I know Shakir Brown, oh yeah, five interceptions playing kind of that ball hawk. He was nickel. still bad. Well, he was, he would get interceptions because he'd gamble for him and he wasn't a great cover guy. He couldn't, couldn't really turn his hips. That's why they had him at nickel and not at, he could play, he could play the ball, but he couldn't really guard his man. Um, and so they broomed out what, six defensive backs or seven defensive backs. Yeah. Last I year mean, they, they really five. wanted to, they really wanted to keep Chris Jackson and Barnett, and unfortunately, they were not able to do so. Chris Jackson right. was homesick. Barnett, right. you know, I thought he had some gripe. You know, he didn't play when he wanted to. But either way, those guys are gone. But, I mean, the guys they brought in, like Ronald Williams is maybe the least talked about transfer that is going to have the biggest impact. I mean, he's maybe the most important transfer right now for what he brings to it, you know, otherwise depleted secondary. I mean, obviously, you're moving gross to safety, which is a new position. We'll see how he does there. Um, Henderson is safety, but I mean, otherwise you were starting Gervin and everything we've heard about Ronald Williams. I mean, even Jaden Reed the other day was like, Ronald Williams, like he makes me work hard. And to me, that's some of the greatest news we could have had coming out because right. that was a big question mark. Him and Kimbrough, he said, were the two guys that impressed him. And that's good news is the two big transfers. But remember, you're talking about SEC transfers, a guy who, you know, knows how to play under Nick Saban was going to be Alabama's starting corner. And then Chester yeah, Kimbrough, who is a four star from Florida. So I mean, that's some good. That's good people. That's once again starters you're bringing in from SEC programs. Well, and from SEC country, both those guys are from Louisiana. Um, and there's something to be said about the guys down south and how they're how they how they're trained and how they come up. The uh, Ronald Williams, yeah, as you said, he was actually he was repping with the ones with Alabama. He got hurt. Um, some five-star freshman took a spot, was going to start this year, so he transferred. Uh, Alabama wanted to keep him. Um, Cheshire Kimbrough is a guy, he was a sophomore, was kind of in the playing mix at Florida, um, and I know Mullen was not happy to see him go. Um, same thing, you know, go back with Crouch, you know, the, kind of the general theme, these transfers are starters or big contributors that other programs aren't looking to lose. Um, Marquis La- Lowry, we've, yeah, go right. Marquis, yeah. Marquis Lowry from Louisville. Here's a kid. He's a redshirt freshman. Just keep him in the back of your head for probably next year. Um, came to Louisville as a receiver. They moved him to cornerback and he just, he has quote unquote it. He just has it. Um, and so there are. I mean, the only guy you're going to recognize from last year at that corner, I think this year is going to be Gervin, and he may not start. 
after starting for a year and a half. Um, and so, you know, the expectation is, you know, Williams can be that true CB1 who can play on the island, play man. I mean, he he played in Saban's system. Saban liked him. Saban recommended him. You know, when Tucker was getting, you know, when it was a transfer destination, I the word is he called Tucker and said, you know, that he's this guy's in the portal. He's the one you want. Um, so, you know, that's a that's about as good of a um, as much praise as you can heap on someone. You know, and 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 the system isn't isn't pure man either. I mean, you got to be able to play zone and, and look back. And I think. Um, that's kind of why the nickel is such a not look back. Let me back up. A, the nickel position is such an important spot because you really have to be able to kind of slide down and be that that fourth that third linebacker. I mean, really, all I mean, it it's is, a, is take, it's the star linebacker. It's, it's the, the star, star linebacker, linebacker that's just more making a more yeah. And the good but that news was is, always the hardest position in D'Antonio's defense. I mean, that was the, that was the most scrutinized position and the hardest position to play. Right. And, and Michael Dowell, who's the third Dowell brother to come through the program has, has locked up that nickel spot and fought off Kimbrough who had really, or Kimbrough, however you pronounce his last name, um, really fought him off. And he's more, I mean, he, he's six one two fifteen. I mean, that's the same size. That's like Antoine Simmons size. So I'm not too worried about the, you know, his ability to handle the run. I'm a little, I don't know what his coverage is like. I mean, he's a redshirt junior that's kind of hasn't played too much, but the fact that he's ready to go, I mean, done starter you know Kimbrough's now at corner um you actually kind of look at it and you go okay Williams was good at Bama okay that's one spot good Kimbrough was was somewhat at Florida okay that spot's probably okay um well if if Dowell was allowing Kimbrough to move to corner okay maybe he's okay at nickel gross is everyone raves about free safety check and Xavier Henderson's a solid player hey wait starters in the secondary actually sound pretty decent right Right, it's the bad, it's the drop off. Like no. who who reps behind Henderson? Who reps behind Gross? I mean, I I, I literally couldn't give you a name. Um, Tate Halleck. I mean, yeah, AJ. That, Kirk. Is that it? I mean, no, uh, uh, Darius Snow probably at nickel, and AJ Kirk. I guess. I mean, I, mean, I guess the... for, for for defensive back, I mean, it would be Brantley, right? I mean, that's everyone kind of raves about him. I mean, he's 165 pounds. Maybe no, he's 155. That guy, he needs he needs all of the sandwiches. He needs to go eat those PB and Js or something. I mean, but they did to Bingham. They used to like apparently Bingham walks around with a backpack, and everyone has to put food in it. I mean, that's what they got to do to this guy. <laughs> um, no, they're gonna. Um, I, I think it'll be. I, I don't think. I don't know. I haven't heard much about Kirk. I just. I'm just looking through the roster and figuring out who could be. He. I, mean, re- I know he was repping in the first practice when the media saw, like he was repping with the twos. But I, I mean, I haven't heard anything since that time. Yeah. Honestly, I think it'll be Kendall Brooks, the transfer, the D two transfer. Who I, I hear decent things about, but I mean, yeah. that's one of that's one of those transfers that. I mean, Tucker knew the coach who recommended him, which is a good thing. But once again, we talked earlier about Div- Division Two transfers and stepping up a level of right. play. Right. Well, and Kari Crump and Lowry are probably your cornerbacks of the future along with Brantley, but they're all a year away. I mean, the truth is is that it's it's thin, and that's the problem. I mean, even worse than linebacker, an injury in the secondary is... is, is Devastating. If Ronald Williams goes down, we don't have much. No, no. The the ability drops off a lot. And that's kind of the issue. And that's why, you know, the last area really with this with special teams, um, 
you know, a, a overall team athleticism shows up on special teams. You you want your second and third stringers that are playing on on special teams, or maybe your first string court, your tight end or something, to be really good athletes. And you know, you can't afford to have Crouch and Ronald Williams and you know Jaden Reed, and um, you know maybe you can put Tank Brown and Harold Joyner on special teams. You know, but you can't you can't have the same you know the same group of eight to ten plus athletes they now have on that no. roster all playing everything all the time and that and that's why this team is 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 it's promising they're going to be better than they were last year um but the depth just isn't there um the, you know especially in the back seven uh you know back seven on defense there's nothing in tight in terms of tight end depth um there's just there's just it just isn't so yeah, and that's and there's nothing. And I truly, Tucker did everything he could. He literally could not have added one more transfer. I mean, that's how many players he added. That's, I mean, he did everything he could, and we're still lacking at depth in some key areas. And that's okay. And remember, this is truly his year one. So, but remember that when at some point, if Kendall Brooks is running out there, or you see this guy who looks like he literally should be in you know fr- freshman year of high school size, and it's Brantley out there, and you're like, what is going on? That's all we have. Yeah, and, and there just isn't a ton of options. I mean, Gervin is a guy who will play, but I mean, you I, I, from safety. The safety is so scary. I, I'm going to the roster. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's there's no one. I mean, they, they're a year away. They're probably two years away from having championship level depth. With Bay based, I mean, that's why they're it. recruiting five defensive backs a year. Yeah, 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 and they'll get there. They'll get there, and those guys, those guys can play well in year two. It you know year one, get your feet wet. Year two, you can you can be a, a good a. a very solid to good player um in the back seven or the back really the 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 secondary so helps on the way um certainly i feel like the ceilings raised you know i feel like the starters are are maybe maybe the starters as a whole if you squint are an eight to maybe even nine win team in a vacuum if you played the starters at full health every game but they won't be and their backup, the drop off, I think across the board is, um, and, you know, significant. You know, well, I mean, like you know, there's some good depth at defensive tackle and end. You know, you feel okay about taking an injury right. there. You know, you feel okay if if a you know if one of the guards goes down, you can probably you know swap in a home button and be like, okay, we can we can survive with that. Um, you know, I think an injury to Reed or Naylor is potentially devastating. You can oh prop- no, Horst, Horst is the devastating. Horst, you can't lose Horst. Absolutely can't lose Horst. You can't in that you go through and like oh can't lose him can't lose him i think an, an, an injury at linebacker could be devastating yeah. um so and so that's you know you look at the schedule and we talk about special teams i mean bryce berenger does nothing for me at punter um coglin is is a still here i mean whatever that's worth you know he's okay um and there's nothing you know they're talking about using Naylor or reed as a returner i mean you can't have your starting at this can't have this team starting receivers yeah i would just i mean that should be to me that's and i I heard gross was uh fielding punts and that just seems insane to me especially with the depth back there i mean put coleman back there put lockett back there someone who's athletic but you know at the same time isn't going to cost you a season if they you know yeah unfortunately the worst happens on a kick return right and so you've got you know maybe montori force foster or um you, you put a um yeah, I think that I think that would work. Um, so you know that's so that's you know the return games have been a bad forever. You hope, and that's again they go who, who's this, who's the special teams coach? 
Ross Ells. Ross Ells. So that's kind oh of my, that's kind of my, he's, he's, he's oh my God. new. We found it. We found a new, new hater. Our yeah. new, our new Staten, I think our new Staten or, or Staten. Dave Warner. No, Dave. No, no, no. I, so we're keeping an eye on that. Um, so we're a little over an hour here. I think I want to kind of wrap up. Um, but I wanted to go through just quick, you know, quick, quick game by game prediction, you know, yeah. sure win, likely win. Toss up, likely loss, sure loss. There okay. are so many toss ups. All right, so opener opener against Northwestern Wildcats. Toss up, it yeah, toss up, right? Wildcats generally a good team. They've lost more production than anyone else in the big in the entire Power Five, uh, and they've replaced their defensive coordinator. But it's a road night game, first game for both teams. So toss it's up. such a crapshoot. The one thing I the one thing I didn't really factor in. I just want about that game is that. Who knows what the fan turnout's going to be? Like it's a night game, but you know, with COVID and everything, like who knows? You know, our fans going to pack that stadium. Northwestern, does, you know, there's Michigan State people down there to begin with. I wonder if it even, even more so because people don't go. I don't know. Uh, Northwestern students won't be on campus by then. That's insane. Okay, good. That's the other, that's the other thing to note. So being being living in Chicago, I can tell you that. So that that's got a great chance to be, a, you know, thirty to forty percent Michigan State, right? Um, which could help, um, especially yes, you know, Friday especially when Northwestern struggles early. And I think Hunter Johnson is horrible. We'll get I, into that this weekend. Yeah, but, yeah, but so toss up, uh, Youngstown State, sure win, I sure mean, win. You're, you're, yeah, I mean, come on, yeah, yeah the Penguins, no, um, at, at Miami. Uh, likely loss. Likely, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, sure. I'm, loss. Okay, but I. Th- th- that's going to be a bad game. <laughs> I, I, they have Tucker speed. cranked up. Cr- apparently, Tucker's cranking up the heat. They're, yeah, but they're doing some practices in that like 150 degree. But you can't room. live it. But they live in it. I mean, they, they live in it True. down there, and it's remember and it's, you're. They're good, but you're relying on an entire team who's going off a guy's knee rehab. You just never know how that's going to be. It's true. That's very true. You don't know. So, okay, likely loss. Uh, Nebraska, likely loss. Nebraska at home, I'm going to move this to a likely win. Ooh, um, I'm going to still say toss-up. I just no, don't know enough. They actually have a, an okay defense, but Scott Frost has is under investigation. Um, oh, the AD wants him out. The AD wants to hire his own guy. So they yeah. are trying to sabotage him like they can. So I think just with the cloud over that program and the distractions, plus it's a home game for Michigan state. Um, I, I actually think that's, that's a likely win. I don't, I don't think Nebraska is very good. I think they are fractured from the top down. Um, and uh, so that's that uh, Western Kentucky at home. W. Yes. All right. At, at Rutgers, likely win. Yeah, I would say I mean, they're, they're improved, but you know, and Shiano's sure. got a good recruiting class coming in next year. They aren't there, and in MSU was yeah. probably just if they turned it over five times instead of seven, probably would have beaten Rutgers last year. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> looked like Rutgers. a like a bad pra- that looked like a bad practice. Like that's how I felt about that game the entire time. I was like, this is just my nightmare. Like, yeah. Like well, and, the, and also the issue was that they didn't know that Rutgers was going to r- run that weird cocked nose tackle, and that really, that oh, really, God, that's, yeah. I just remembered everything about how we can't in-game adjust to anything. Forgot, right? Um, okay, uh, at Indiana, likely loss. Yeah, the the thing I struggle with that is once again we're going on a knee. Indiana is a team that can be very good. I really liked, it, but they 
we've seen Indiana over the years, you know, become bad later in the season, but Tom Allen's good. I, I I'll go with that likely loss. Yeah. They've got, they've got 17 starters back from a, yeah, you know, they're good. a, a okay. top 20 team They're Yeah. They're back. Uh, by week, perfect timing because the next game's Michigan at home. That's a toss up, but toss I think up. we're going to win, but still I do a toss too. Up. I do too. Same thing. I mean, I, I think this is the last you can never year call Michigan a sure. You can never no. call Michigan a sure win. Like Except other for 2014. Than then we're Michigan fans. Oh yeah, 2014. I, I like came for blood. Yeah, <laughs> put a stake I went in to it. that stadium for blood. I was there. I, too. Uh, I funny story. Real quick, I uh, I talked to a player who was on Michigan this summer with my brother, and we talked about the stake. And he was like, apparently, he was like urging them not to do it. And all the players were like, yeah, this is a bad idea. And I forget <laughs> the player who spiked it, who did it. They're like, why did we do that? Like there was no consensus on that, so sorry about that. All right, let's let's move. No, on. no, no, that's okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, we've got at Purdue. Purdue. Oh God, I don't know anything about Purdue. I want to say likely well, win, but that's so, and it's at Purdue, so probably a toss up. But it is the game after Michigan, so the potential for the letdown. D'Antonio was great in that game, but historically MSU struggled. Um, tough, yeah. tough game in West Lafayette. Um, Maryland at home. So we're calling that a toss-up, correct? Yeah, I think it's a likely win. Um, Maryland. Oh no, is Maryland's a, a likely win. I was asking Purdue. We're calling it toss-up. Yeah, you know everything I've heard says Purdue might be the worst Big Ten team, but I, I just uh, can't. I just can't. I just West Lafayette's got a bad yeah, taste. We've in my lost mouth. some weird. We've lost some weird games over the years. All right, fair. All right, and then I think Maryland's a likely win. I agree. Yeah, I, I think normally by November point, they're done. They've like yeah. checked out. Yeah, they they've had depth depth issues for years, and they're either great or they're terrible in terms of offense. And I just I think yeah, I think that um, at Ohio State, um, sure loss. Go go shovel your driveway, get your turkey ready for the next week or whatever. That's going to be a blowout. Penn State at home, last game of the year, senior day. Oh, I want to call it a toss up, but it's going to be a likely loss. Yeah, that's that's what I'm. That's where I'm at too. I think. But um, th- th- this is like preliminary. The whole season can change in different ways. Like th- these are just predictions, guys. Like we don't. We're not trying to like say, oh, it's doom and gloom. We can't beat Penn State at the end of the season. Like we'll see. You know, last year we had it. We would say never, and we had a shot in that game. You know, I, I weird things have happened, but yeah, likely loss. Yeah. So I've got them. I've got them beating Northwestern, Youngstown in my head, Nebraska, Western Kentucky, Rutgers, Michigan, and splitting Maryland and Purdue. So I've got them. Yeah. Because we have four like, we got four likely wins, three toss ups, three likely losses, and one sure loss. Right. So. Yeah, you win two of the toss-ups. You can get a. I mean, at seven wins, this makes sense in that. Yeah, I think that's where I, that's where I come down. The de- depth depth is going to get them. They're not going to be able to handle the big ones, and it'll cost them a game against one of those toss-ups too. So, God, um, God. Okay. In that Northwestern game, the whole thing changes. Yeah, absolutely. My, in my opinion, in my opinion. Well, we'll see. We'll see in in eight yeah. days. Eight days. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back in a few days here. Uh, we're going to record, I think, on Sunday a Northwestern preview, just because the way our jobs go. Um, yes. And uh, so I, you know, it'll be we won't have any up to the up to the minute news right before kickoff, but um, at least a prediction, kind of a dig into dig into what Northwestern brings and and what we think. So yeah. Hope you all have your last week of productivity. Enjoy your last week of productivity in the office uh, before the season starts. Uh, and go green. We love you, Mark Staten. Do we? <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter wherever he is. Yeah, we love you.
Okay. That's fine. Good luck in Toledo. All right. Go green. Go white. <laughs>